a huge welcome to everybody, uh, both here and also watching uh, live as well. It's so great that you've decided to join us this weekend. A special welcome to you if you're coming here for the very first time. It's a delight to have you with us. And uh, we would love to help connect with you. There are cards in the seat back in front of you. Um, you can check in with us online as well. Uh, we'd love to give you more information about everything concerning Timberline, and we'd love to make connection with you. Well, you probably noticed all those uh, booths outside, and what we in England call bouncy castles. I'm not sure what they're called here. Uh, those inflatable things, I can barely wait to have a go at one of those later, but I fear that it might not end well. But this weekend is um, our volunteers, uh, volunteers, Celebrate Volunteers Weekend, where we want to express our appreciation to the many, the many volunteers who serve in Timberline, who serve beyond Timberline in the communities in your own neighborhood. We want to thank you and honor you as uh, as volunteers. And um, if you are currently serving as a volunteer, we've got food truck, uh, food trucks, I'm not sure, out there, and we'd love to give you a meal ticket for the food truck. And we, we were going to say, if you'd think about signing up, then we'd give you a meal ticket. But frankly, we don't trust you, so... We're like, no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to do Oh, yeah, I'll serve for the next 40 years, pass the cheeseburger. So, uh, so um, but if you are a volunteer, and, and if you're not a volunteer, why not stop by one of those booths and uh, check out the opportunities? There is a joy in serving that is like no other. In fact, I think when it comes to serving within Timberline, we really ought to have a waiting list because it is such a privilege to serve. And I learned about a story this week of Glenn Gilbert, who's with us, I believe, in this service for two years, over two years, actually, through the pandemic years. Uh, Glenn served as an online grandpa, a virtual grandpa to this lovely uh, family. This is Jeremy and Sarah uh, Plisco and George, uh, who is seven years old. And I, I met this family last night. I just want you to pause for a moment and look into their eyes because there is a joy that comes from serving that makes it not just an opportunity or a need to be filled, but also a real privilege as well. So let's get involved. Let's put our faith into action. Thanks so much to all of our volunteers. Um, if you, during this service, take a next step, next step in your faith journey and you decide you want to follow Jesus, our prayer team members will be here um, at the end, and then if you're new, there's an area out in the mall there. We'd love to welcome you and greet you there. Let me also say thank you, Timberline, for your faithfulness in giving. Um, that's part of our worship, and through our giving, we're able to support organizations locally, like Serve 6-8. We're able to support uh, national and global organizations as well, like Convoy of Hope, as we look out at the crisis that continues in Ukraine, we think, what can we do? Well, Convoy of Hope are already there, and we can be there too as we give. So thank you for that. Don't forget that you can give via our app or in text giving or on our website um, via the Connect page and the QR code. And also we have offering containers as well at the back of the room. So we come to our message this weekend, and we are beginning a brand new series which we're excited about. It's called Playlist. We are calling each other to bring our hearts and our voices to God in worship. Talking to church leaders nationally and indeed internationally, people are noticing, leaders are noticing that when it comes to lifting praise to God, when it comes to singing our worship, a lot of churches, frankly, have gone rather quiet. Now, let's be clear, there is a place to be quiet, to be still before God and wait before Him. But there's clearly also a time for us to lift our voices in praise and in song. And when we don't do that, we become an audience rather than a congregation. Someone might say, with everything that's going on in the world right now, you're talking about worship. Is it that important? Oh, yes, it is, because what we worship determines how we live. It's the foundation for 
everything. One of the big problems in our world right now is that we are wired by God for worship. We're made in his image. And if we don't worship him, we'll worship other stuff. This is very, very important. And so we're going to consider the importance of worship. We're going to go on a journey together. It's going to be an adventure. And starting today, some things are going to be different. I sense fear. All will be well, but stand by because things are going to be a little different. In this first message, which I'm calling What God Wants, I'm going to look at two passages of Scripture, one from John chapter 4 in the New Testament where Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman about worship, just a brief uh, word from there, and then we're going to step back a thousand years before that time to a moment when the king of Israel, David, brought the Ark of the Covenant safely home to Jerusalem. So in John 4, this is what Jesus said. A new time is coming. In fact, it's already here. True worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. They are the kind of worshippers the Father is looking for. God is spirit. His worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. And then to go back to that story about the Ark of the Covenant, 2 Samuel 6, some verses from there. Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the Ark of the Lord had taken six steps... He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, and when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she said, praise the Lord, honey, what a fabulous day this is. I am so happy to join in. I baked a cake. Doesn't say that. When she saw him leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, how the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, going around half naked in full view of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. And David said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I'll become even more undignified than this and I'll be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honor. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Now this last week, um, the honeydew list at home got rather long. And so I decided to try and do something practical, which, as many of you know, never ends well. Uh, a couple of things went quite well. I managed to pressure wash our deck without removing any toes, so that was a result. And uh, I changed the light bulb as well. Rather excited about that. I know you think it's nothing, but this was a light bulb, a light bulb, a, lo- ugh, a light bulb over a stairwell, like 12 foot up in the air. So that was a little scary. Um, but then I decided to replace an electrical outlet. And that was altogether more challenging. A friend, I I talked to a friend about it, and he said, it's really simple. You turn it off at the breaker. You make sure there's no power coming out. And then it's just five wires to connect. Any idiot could do it. Well, apparently, I'm not just any idiot. (laughs) And I I said to Kay, who was understandably looking a little nervous, I said, honey, this, this will just take five or ten minutes. Just five wires. Five wires. Three Hours later, I joke not, three hours later, which included a quick, desperate trip to a, a store in town, I shouldn't mention Home Depot, and I went there, and, and three hours later, I managed to get the job done, and, but 30 minutes before I finished, I discovered something in the packaging that I'd overlooked, the instructions. 
How I could have saved myself so much drama if I just followed the instructions. And ever since, I just need to tell you, please pray for Kay, because she's walking around the house right now constantly sniffing. I said, what are you doing? And she said, I'm looking for the, the smell of burning. I should have read the instructions. Here in this book are the instructions very clearly made for worship. The Bible is very clear about it. And when we don't understand the instructions, worship becomes a consumer item, a warm-up session, the uh, religious equivalent of a crowd singing, take me out to the ball game, a song much beloved of basketball fans everywhere. I know, silly me, I know it's football. And I've been to churches, I know it's baseball, and I've been to churches where we've had the worship and then I'm about to get up to preach and the pastor says, well, now we've had the preliminaries. The preliminaries. As if the worship was just a sing-song time to, to warm us up. The reality is that worship is for God. We are blessed as we worship, as we will see. But it's what God wants. In John chapter 4, we read these words. Jesus talks about the kind of worshippers the Father is looking for. Kent Hughes, the Bible commentator, says, The central reality in worship is not that we are seeking God, but that He is seeking us. This is a totally Christian idea. The Jews of that time never thought of God that way. When we come together to worship, God is looking for you. He is looking for me. And throughout the pages of the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, we hear the call to worship. In Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the garden in relationship with God and the fall happens and then the patriarchs begin to build their altars. In Exodus, the tabernacle, that tent is established, central among the tents of God's people, centering their lives on worship. In Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, we have the elaborate sacrificial system established showing how worship should happen. The temple is built in established Israel. And then the psalmist repeatedly offers, calls us to worship. Psalm 5 and verse 11, Let all who take refuge in the Lord rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy. Psalm 22 verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. Psalm 29 and verse 11, Give to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty or the splendor of holiness. Psalm 32 and verse 11, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous. Shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. Psalm 47 verse 1, Clap your hands, all your people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Psalm 98 verse 4, Make a joyful noise. Unto the Lord, make a joyous song and break forth into, into praises. Psalm 150, I'm running out of breath. There are 15 commands in that psalm to praise God. In the Gospels, Jesus says the Father is looking for these worshippers. The early church was so expressive in worship that on the day of Pentecost, everybody thought they were drunk. Can you imagine that? People wandering by Timberline and thinking, man, I think they might be on something. So expressive were they. In the epistles, we see the call to worship, order in worship. In Corinthians, superficiality, avoid it. In James, in Ephesians, the great vision of Christ summoning us to worship. Colossians, don't be super spiritual about worship. First Peter, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Hebrews, come into the holy of holies. Revelation, worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. In Revelation, quietness is so unusual that when they're quiet for 30 minutes, someone writes it down as something notable. You see, the call to worship is clear. We come to obey God in worship. thing is this, why? I mean, let's ask the awkward question. What, what, what's with God on this one? Has he got some big insecurity or ego problem? He just says, just tell me how wonderful I am continuously. I mean, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Some of you have heard me mention that when Kay and I, my wife Kay and I, were dating 400 years ago, we, we wrote some love letters to each other. And I've mentioned that we have a box of them back in England, and they are appalling, honestly. It's just sick. 
so syrupy and so religious and intense. And it's hot. It's, I pray to God that no one, while I have breath in my body, will ever discover those letters. But I do have one. <laughs> right here. Who would like to hear it? Oh, come on. Who would like to hear it? Brace yourself. Dear Sister Kay, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. I love you very much. Hallelujah. With the love God gives, according to Ephesians 2.4, Philippians 1.15, Leviticus 2.4, and Revelation 21.7. I would very much appreciate it, Kay, if you would tell me daily that you love me, you love my hair, my crooked nose, and that you would inform me that I'm amazing, awesome, wonderful, stupendous, incomparable, and indescribable. This would help our relationship a lot. Yours most humbly, Brother Jeffrey. How many know I just wrote that yesterday for fun? Right? Right. Our relationship would not have gone very far if I'd have played it like that. So what's with God wanting us to tell him how amazing he is? What's that about? It's an awkward question. Let's answer it. Let's think about why we worship. First of all, God calls us to the place of intimacy and trust. Intimacy and trust. Look at this. David was angry. And then later we read, So David went to bring up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. The ark of the covenant represented the presence of God. Forget Indiana Jones, okay? God was not in the box, but the box represented God's presence by his spirit. The tablets of the law were in the Ark of the Covenant, spirit and truth. When that Ark, um, when that ark was taken by the Philistines, the enemies of Israel, it was in their hands for a hundred years. And David had previously tried to bring it back, but when he tried to bring it back, he didn't do it God's way. He put the ark on a cart. That's what the Philistines had done. He was commanded to have the ark carried on the shoulders of the priest. He got it wrong, and a man was struck dead as a result of that, and David was angry. David was angry. The party turned into a funeral. But then three months later, what we've read about happened. And it's a day of incredible rejoicing. David is angry, he's disappointed, he doesn't understand, but still he worships. I've talked to people over the course of this weekend, one of whom has had a terrible loss just this last week. And I look at that person in this congregation worshipping, not because they understand God, not because they get it completely, but because they are affirming their trust in the Lord and wanting to come into his presence. Rather obviously, it's been a momentous time in the UK this last week. On Tuesday, we got a new prime minister uh, welcomed by the Queen at Balmoral Castle. On Thursday, the sad passing of Her Majesty the Queen, we got a new monarch, King Charles the third. And people have said, people have been very kind uh, here at Timberline, and they said, what does it feel like? Uh, well, let me tell you what it feels like. Can you imagine a president, much beloved, who unified the whole nation? Now, that might be a bit of a stretch, but just, just imagine that. <laughs> did I say that? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then imagine that wonderful, beloved president was in the White House for 70 years. And now they're gone. And I often joked about meeting the Queen and phone calls between us and all of that. And uh, sadly, even though I made it clear that never happened, some of you believe me. Um, that's sweet of you. But I never met her. But I'm so great. 
for the fact, for the fact that she trusted Jesus. Uh, she said, and we have a lovely photograph of her, she said this in 2011, 2011, she said, we're capable of great acts of kindness. History teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, but a savior with the power to forgive. She said, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to live my life. Leslie Griffiths, a Methodist evangelist, spent two days with her, and he said this, the name of Jesus flowed from her lips in such an unforced way. It was effortless. It was brilliant. And she was a woman of daily prayer and weekly church attendance. And I got up when... in. 4.45 in the morning to hear that the family had gathered and um, suddenly emails started to arrive. I had to write an article, an obituary article for the the leading Christian magazine in the UK. They said, we need it in 48 hours. So I did that. That's online and you can access that through our Timberline website this week. And then next Sunday, I have to do a 30-minute radio broadcast the day before the funeral And that broadcast uh, will go into every TV in every home in the UK. That doesn't mean by any means everyone's going to listen to it, but that's going to happen. And then the following week, another 30-minute special introducing King Charles III. I'd appreciate your prayers uh, for those broadcasts, which I have to create this week. When we worship God like Her Majesty, who trusted Him, we come into His presence, we trust Him. For those of you who are doing that right now, thank you. Secondly, God calls us to bring our sacrifice of praise. Look at this. It says, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. Wearing a linen ephod, David was dancing before the Lord with all his might. And we read, if you look at the scripture carefully, when they're coming into Jerusalem, every six steps they stop and build an altar and have sacrifices. One, two, three, four, Five, six, stop right there, build the altar, let's have a time of sacrifice, right? We do all that, that probably takes 30 minutes or so. One, two, three, they didn't go backwards, that would have been silly, but the platform's not big enough. And let's have another. I imagine the sound of Hebrew children screaming, are we there yet? Would have probably been deafening. This is sacrificial. And David is dancing, it says. And the word there, the Hebrew word means to separate the limbs. This is John Travolta on a barbecue grill. This, this guy is really going for it. And it's loud. The word means to sound the alarm. What madness compelled me to play with the worship team this morning? I was more nervous about that than any sermon I've ever preached. I didn't sleep last night. I've been practicing all week. Why did I do that? Well, the team said to me, Lucas, why don't you play guitar? Because that's not what you normally do. And it's out of your comfort zone. I'm like, you bet your life is out of my comfort zone. That's what worship is involved with. Stepping out from where we feel comfortable. Sometimes we say, and if you feel comfortable, sometimes it's not about us feeling comfortable. It's about worshiping God. Someone say amen. Thirdly, it's about Hearing God's call to push through our preferences. When she, this is Michal, his wife, King David, leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. She's Saul's daughter. He's an abusive father. She has a story. But she's an outsider to the party. He's not worshipping the way she wants him to worship. And she comes out to meet him with criticism. Now, in a moment, we're going to do something a little different, but let me tell you this. There are seven Hebrew words. These seven words are all translated by the single English word praise. Praise. And it's helpful to dig into the Hebrew just for a moment to understand something about worship. The first one is halal, from which we get the word hallelujah. We're familiar with that word. You know what that means? It means to boast, to rave, to jump, to be loud, to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. That's what hallelujah means. 
The second word is yadar, which means to throw your hands up and forward in making a confession about God. And then taudar, which means to lift your hands in, a, in thanksgiving. Shabak, a loud, joyous shout of testimony. Barak, to kneel in reverence and submission. Zamar, to worship the Lord while playing an instrument. And then Tehillah, to sing a spontaneous, unrehearsed song of the Lord from your spirit. So you see, when we lift our hands and when we express our worship bodily, we are doing something entirely consistent in response to Scripture. Now, you're sitting there right now thinking, he's only done three points, and the worship team have come back. Have they done that to give him the hint that it's not going that well? So get off, Lucas. No. I said it was going to be different. So I'm going to pause in the sermon right now, and we're going to practice what I've been preaching about. Now, some of us, the moment we think the sermon is over, we hit the door. You know who you are. But the sermon isn't over yet. And also, I've got something from the UK that you will not, it's a special thing, you will not want to miss it. So please don't hit the door, because if you do, I'm going to hunt you down. I'm kidding, but stay with us, please. If you're able, stand with me. Let's worship, Lord. Let's worship Jesus. Sing, you give a life. You give life. You are love. You bring light to the darkness. You give hope. You restore.
our voices. Savior, he can move the mountain. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the and again, it's so beautiful. Savior, he can move. Savior, he can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save. Forever, author of salvation. He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the just the musicians playing, this, this is not planned what I'm about to do, but we've just been declaring that he can move mountains. How many of us today can identify a mountain that we're, we're facing? I, I, don't want, I, I want you just to lower your hands, and I don't want you to sing. But we're going to sing over you. We're going to tell you the truth. Savior, he can move the mountains. Our God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered the Right, here's what happens when you do something spontaneous. Everybody stops singing because 
the British guy wasn't clear. So if you raise your hand because you've got a mountain, you don't have to sing. But everybody else, we're going to sing to you. Got it? Here we go. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, He rose and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. May you who face mountains experience the truth of these words in your life. We agree together in Jesus' name. And everybody sat down real quick. All right, well, here's part two of the sermon, which, by the way, will not be as long as part one. And that is, God calls us to worship to create a context for blessing. You see, David, on this beautiful day, we read after he'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. See, when we worship, we bless God, but we bless each other. And the Bible talks about that in the New Testament, blessing each other. Listen to these words from Ephesians 5. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I'm going to read that again. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual, or songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share something with you from the UK this was produced in the early days of the COVID pandemic in 2020. Anyone remember 2020? <laughs> and this was released on the 3rd of May. And in the UK at that time, we were in total lockdown. Unless you were a key worker, you couldn't go to work. You could go out to exercise once a day. There were no vaccines in sight, and nobody knew where this thing was going to end. Churches were closed, and the nation was gripped by fear. Worship leaders could get, they couldn't get together, but worship leaders from across the nation, from every different denominational background, got together to sing a song of blessing to the nation, a song written by Carrie Job and others. I would love you to not only just see and listen to this song that came out of darkness, but also to be blessed in your family, if it's relevant, your children and your children's children to a thousand generations. Be blessed.
from heaven this isn't second guessing we know that we are protected may the peace that surpasses all understanding be our message grace and favors in your nature in your essence favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and the children and the children please favor be upon you and a thousand Come on. Amen. Amen. 
with a little more confidence, let's sing Amen. those chords and uh, Tehillah I've been in Timberline now for 30 years I, I, I've never done this thing we're about to do so I'm scared again Tehillah is where we sing a spontaneous song to the Lord and the worship team are looking at me because we haven't done this in any of the other services either a spontaneous song to the Lord we thank you Jesus we lift up your name, we praise you, we love you, we lift up the name of Jesus. And you can join with me and sing out your song and praise his name. Come on, lift his name up high, for he is good. Just make up the words that you want to sing from your heart. Oh, we bless you, Lord, we praise you, Lord, we thank you, Jesus. You are worthy to be praised and adored. We lift up the name above all other names, the King of all kings, the Lord of lords. Oh, we bless you, and we bless you, and we praise you. You are good. coming with me in that and I demonstrate that to prove you haven't got to be able to sing to make a joyful noise to the Lord right driving home last night I felt in my heart that I should stand today and declare the beginning of a new season in Timberline a new season of extravagant worship and praise we're going, to, we're going to push beyond our preferences and we will not join the silent crowd. There'll be times when we'll be hushed. There'll be times when we'll be still. And there will be times when we just lift up a roar of praise to Jesus. Anybody with me in that? Now, they're going, what next? Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now I've been to a Broncos game, so I know you people know how to yell. And if you're thinking that's not reverent, reverence is about doing what the king or the queen wants. And he says, shout to the Lord for joy. So it's entirely reverent, okay? So forget the touchdown. Are you ready? Jesus! is alive Woo! yes lord come on we praise you lord we worship you we glorify you thank you jesus thank you jesus And the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you, everyone say the word together, peace. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, go in peace, eat some food, sign up, volunteer, have a beautiful day. Summer's back. God bless. Bye.